It was a time when pro wrestling was a pop culture phenomenon. Talk about your songs, talk about John 316. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Pay-per-view quality matches live on free TV every Monday night. Monday, July 6th. Back at the battle between WCW Monday Nitro and WWF Monday Night Raw. It's me, Austin! Oh, son of a bitch! What? It's me, Austin! It was me all along, Austin! This is Reliving the War with Simon Tackler and Nims Azul. You can call this the new world order of wrestling, brother! Welcome, everyone, to another huge edition of Reliving the War. The podcast exclusive to the Grey Wolf Wrestling Network, where we go back and relive the Monday Night Wars. My name is Nims Azor, joined as always by my tag team partner, Simon Tackler. And Simon, we've been, well, we've had a pretty good run of pay per views uh, from both WWE and WCW, but uh, will the streak be over? Yes. Yes, it will. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I think it may have come to an end. I don't know if I can speak for the three of us on today's show. But yeah, the Great American Bash was a little bit rough. More like really the Great was. American Crash, am I right? <laughs> oh, you're not wrong. And that voice you're hearing is the one and only Owen Jones, who made a guest appearance at last week, last week, well, in our last episode, when we did one of the big four WWE pay-per-views. And uh, Owen, after watching the WWE pay-per-view, and we were talking about how it blitzed by so fast and there was so much going on, did it not seem like the bash went probably the opposite of that direction? Yeah, well, yeah. See, I, I was a good, I was a good boy last month. I did all my chores, I did my homework, and Mum and Dad let me watch WWF <laughs> as they do every four, as they do every four months. And yeah, then I get, uh, I get handed this. It's, it's, it's like it's like when you've done something bad and your parents give you something really, really crap for dinner. <laughs> yes. Exactly what this feeling was like. Oh my lord! Like, it well, was yeah. As I said, it was the Great American Crash. This like because the last WCW pay per view was actually really enjoyable. I think we all agreed on that. And they've actually had a pretty good run with pay per views. But uh, look, we'll start off the Great American Bash. We get a, a video package at the start, which is very meh. It's almost like the dude that uh, that made all those good packages in the last couple of months sort of went. You know what? You have the Fourth of July off. In fact, come back, come back in uh, in August. We'll be right. You'll be all good. Because it seemed like it really st- took a step backwards, don't you reckon? Yeah, this was a terrible video. It was just, um, there should have been an epilepsy warning before it because it was just strobe <laughs> lights and strobe yes. cuts to different wrestlers. No voiceover, no idea what's going on. You would see Savage, then Piper, then Hogan, then Strobe, then Fireworks, and that was it. And then they just cut and then to it'll the cut, arena. Then it cuts to something American. bizarre absolutely bizarre but yeah look it is the great american bash and that's going to be hammered into your head a long a long time tony mike today and bobby the brain heat and welcome you to the panel as they normally do it's a sold out arena in baltimore and cradle of pro wrestling oh yeah what on earth i've never heard that expression in my life and i i would have thought the carolinas would have been if anything you know like the cradle of wrestling wouldn't you but hey well, look, i don't know what does, argue- the, what does the cradle mean i've never heard anyone say that about anything <laughs> you're in the cradle of cheese sandwiches i don't know oh i wish <laughs> I, I wouldn't mind being in the cradle of cheese sandwiches <laughs> yeah. right now in fact i think we all know what i'm gonna do after this <laughs> podcast is yep <laughs> the group um, chat's gonna be filled of grilled cheese <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah look Tony and Mike Tanay actually says, and did you guys pick this up? He said, expect milestones tonight. Or oh, talk about promising the world and delivering an atlas. Oh, well, he was trying to <laughs> he was trying to top Tony's usual hyperbole. Who, you know what, for once, I'm gonna give Shivani credit. This time he was going over the top, but he was right because he said in tonight's uh main event, we have arguably the four greatest wrestlers in the world in one match. And you know what? It was Hogan, Brett, Piper, Savage. I'll let that one slide for Shivani this time. Oh, He's kind of yeah. right. Yeah. 
yeah, you definitely can't say that uh, in terms of name power in the in the main event. Like if Savio Vega was in that, then maybe you might go. Uh, I think you think you're putting a bit of salt and pepper on that. But aside from that, he was uh, pretty spot on there. We then throw to Mean Gene Oakland that then takes <laughs> over momentarily for some reason. He doesn't even do a hotline plug. Like that's how that's how phoned in he is. And then to emphasize like how sort of last minute and put together this pay-per-view is they, they use an extended recap from WCW Thunder. Like, yeah. oh, and I'll, 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 I'll throw it to you for this one because you weren't obviously there to live through those glory days of Thunder and Nitro and bloody, bloody, blah. You know, this was the original red and blue TV shows in professional wrestling. And what did you think when you saw just huge chunks of WCW programming? Well, that's part of my, that's part of my opening paragraph of notes. Um, I did pop for the fact that Gene said that the Great American Bash is an American tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really appreciate it. Now, my my American history is up to date. Um, but yeah, so the show at that point, the show had been going five minutes and it'd still been no matches started. And then they throw to the Thunder recap. And the first entrance doesn't start until seven minutes and 43 seconds into the show. I was clocking that too. I'm glad you. Yeah, someone yeah. else because, noticed it because it got it got to the point. I'm like, it's been a lot of Gaga going on right now, yeah. and then and then I'm like, oh look, a recap for something I don't care about. It really like made no, it didn't really give much to the story. And yeah. I was like, here we go. All right, all right. Ben Wise is going to cut and start walking out there. I was like, oh okay, cool. We're we're into it. It almost show really highlights the difference between WWE video packages. Like we always talk about this. And we've talked about this even to the present day. Like they they sort of recap the feud so perfectly and do everything that you can dial back in and do it. We mentioned how AEW just use snippets. WCW sort of have gone the opposite direction. It's just like, oh well, look, we'll just show you what happened on Thunder without any context. And it's just like, yeah, look. I understand what you're doing, but no, nah, it's just sort of fall, uh, just sort of fall, uh, fallen flat. But let's get to the match because you're right; it just abruptly ends. Chris Benoit's music comes out. Did you notice, um, Simon? The soylent green is people sign that's in the crowd throughout the whole show. There were some I signs on was- during this show that I couldn't figure out why someone would take that sign. They all felt like in jokes, and I think mm. as we we mentioned uh, in the last episode. Signs at wrestling shows were the equivalent of Twitter back then. It's just, hey, it's an inside joke, but yeah. Now, let's start off with the match because it's Booker T and Chris Benoit. It is the final match of the best of seven series. It's technically match number eight because during the seventh and final match, uh, Booker T got an assist from Brett the Hit, sorry, Brett the Hitman Hart came out and attacked Booker T, which caused a DQ win for Booker, but that's only due to Chris Benoit going, hang on, hang on. I don't want to win this way because Brett's interfered. Now, that didn't require an entire seven minutes of thunder to us insert into the podcast so you can catch up to speed. So that's basically what happened, which I thought was a really good angle. But we'll start off with you, Owen, because this is, um, you've probably heard a lot uh, as your time as a wrestling fan about this legendary best of seven series between mm. Benoit and Booker T. And yes, we've only seen a couple of snippets of those matches, but what do you think just looking at what the boys put out in this final match? How do you think like as a program, it all went very, very nicely because this match was so good. <laughs> it yeah. was so, well, and the crowd's like, so into it too. Oh, the crowd was just ate. They ate it up. Like Simon's currently eating his breakfast. Like they were just <laughs> so into it. Um, like it was just oh, this was like I, th- I think one of my notes is that this is literally perfect professional wrestling. Yeah, like this every like you know they got the crowd into the story. They actually like the wrestling was great. The high spots were great, and like you know there were so many falsies. It was such a good match. Um, one thing I actually never noticed, Simon, mm. was um I never noticed that like Benoit's like Prince esque logo on his tights. Yeah, what is that logo? I think that might be an old Four Horsemen. Was it a Horseman one? logo? I think so. But yeah, it is a bit. It, of, but it, it looks like a print of the love symbol. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'm oh, going back to what you were saying about the uh, the great wrestling here, because people often forget, especially now since uh, he leaned more towards gimmicks uh, towards the end of his career. But Booker T, Booker could go. 
Oh man, he could go. Man, why? Well, you, you know when when Booker brought out the white gear that this was going to be some serious. It's like it's like when the it's like when the DeLorean hits eighty eight miles an hour. You're going to see some serious <laughs> shit. <laughs> like when Booker gets that white gear out with the flames on it, you know you're in for an absolute five star match. Um, one thing I would like to say, you know how we just spoke about time and how seven minutes was wasted. Um, it must have been on Shivani's mind because uh, into the match, she goes, we're only five, six minutes in this match, maybe even seven. Like, <laughs> does he know how to read a clock? Did he like <laughs> fail that class in, in elementary school? Like, Or he's just recently thing? learned how to do it and is trying to show off. <laughs> That's also true. Um, also... Again, this one caters to Simon. Oh, to both of you, but I know Simon's a big stickler for this. Tony Schiavone calling wrestling spots wrong. Oh, yeah. What yeah. did he get now, did in this pick- match? He, well, he called a spine buster a sidewalk slam. Oh, yeah. That's an old Schiavone thing. That still annoys me. I don't understand that one. Well, it was funny because at, like, like at the same time, I was, I was, I was watching a... I went... Name and shame. I was watching a, a, a wrestling show live as well as I was watching WCW last night. And the commentator on the show I was watching live just called everything a Death Valley driver. And it was really <laughs> pissing me off. Mm, mm. I'm like, I'm like, do you know I'm watching Tony Schiavone also get names wrong? Is this why you're torturing me? Would you wait till he, wait till you hear Tony Schiavone pull out his world famous front leg back kick? Uh, <laughs> uh, Simon, what did you think of this? Uh, like, did it hold up the second time round? Um, the Benoit versus Booker T, because I thought, at least personally, like there was definitely they weren't trying to force any blood out of a stone. This this was one of the hottest rivalries in WCW, and as Owen constantly always says after we watch one of these matches, should have catapulted Booker T to superstardom. Yeah, you know, yeah, I can't criticize this. Like the angle was good to justify an eighth match. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool what we saw on Thunder and this match was fantastic and i know i've been critical of benoit's wrestling over the past couple of years that we've watched because i knew i had it in my mind i'm like surely he was better than this and i think this is where it all starts to click of course Mm -hmm. athletically he could do all the moves but at this point he has more i don't know like ruthless aggression obviously that (laughs) that would become part of his gimmick (laughs) but he has more like oomph and there's more to, of a story to his matches and here with Booker there's something to really you know grab onto and Booker is fantastic and it is kind of weird that as great as Booker was here this didn't catapult him right to the main mm. events when it probably yeah. could have but you're right what you were saying where yeah Booker leaned more into gimmicks later on and some people might forget how good of an in-ring wrestler he was He's been one of the best in-ring guys, what, like six months in a row now that we've seen. Yeah. He's been killing it on pay-per-view. And I know there's been some controversy with some things he says on his podcast these days. But look, Booker T has a right to criticize any type of wrestling because he can do everything. You know yeah. what I mean? If he wants to criticize yeah. your in-ring work, he can. If he wants to criticize your promos or gimmick or comedy, whatever, Booker's one of the best all-rounders ever. So, you well, know, like, let's respect his opinion. I was like, I, was, I can't remember if I was, to, I was talking to someone in the business the other week and they mentioned Booker T and I just, without, without, just without hesitation, I'm like, yeah, easily on my, on my Mount Rushmore. And then like, you're like one of the first people to ever say that. Like, how can he not be on like people's Mount Rushmore, at least in like in their top five or top 10? Like, he's just so consistently good and everything he did was like, you know, tag wrestling. Harlem Heat were amazing. Like his 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 entire singles run in WCW was amazing. His then the all the King Booker stuff was incredible, and like it was just so per. Like, he was just so perfect in everything he did in wrestling. So as you said, Simon, he has the ability and the right to treat to treat to critique people mm. quite, you know, yeah. harshly. I guess. Yeah, it's and like people and forget th- that. Get them to watch this, and then you know. Anyway, it's one of those other things too with Booker T is uh, to show how great he actually is or, or was, is that he also was one of the only WCW guys to make that transition during the invasion to WWE and actually flourished. Like he he managed to adapt. The only other person I reckon that you could say even did that would be maybe to an extent DDP. 
because <laughs> uh, he got that because he got and that is and there is day there is almost like between p1 and p2 there's almost like the flemington straight but ddp <laughs> is the only other person that had any sort of success in wwe x wcw because like positively page was over but booker t was just on another level like he was the only one that was seen as an equal to the wwf guys yeah, yeah. and like i think you know people you know say, you know, Booker might not be a, as great a wrestler. It, you know, people who who will acknowledge the fact, like, who will acknowledge Benoit, like, mm-hmm. will acknowledge the fact that he's easily one of the, the greatest professional wrestlers of all time, as purely as a wrestler. Yep. The fact that Booker went completely toe-to-toe with him and pushed him to the absolute limit in this match, or the entire series, but especially this match, he hung with, with Benoit the entire way. It shows how good of a technical wrestler Booker was too. Booker yep. T is yep. better than Chris Benoit. If you want to rate them as talent, here's how you look at it. Oh, yeah. Chris Benoit is good at one thing, and that was wrestling. in the ring. Booker T was good yep. at everything. You know, yeah, yeah. Benoit Commentary, had- Commentary, promo, we, we, we said- comedy, everything. We say this all the time. Benoit had no character and no promo. He was purely a wrestling guy. He could do some moves. Exactly. Um, After the match, Stevie Ray came out and uh, they all celebrated, uh, which was nice to sort of see. Fun fact too, like, and this, I'm going to say this and then watch Owen's jaw drop to the floor. Do you you love, the best part about that entire, like, sequence is that out of those two guys in this moment, WCW management's like, you know what we need to do? Push Stevie Ray. Put him in the NWO. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my God. But hey, look, we'll move on to our next segment. It's Chavo Guerrero at the WCW online booth. Uh, I did appreciate the patriotic URL in the corner with the red, white, and blue www.wcw wrestling. Like, that part was nice. But now it seems like they're really trying to overdo these WCW online spots because it feels like that's a big chunk of. Uh, of uh, audio that they've just given away that probably never went to air. I I have I, I literally have one note for this segment and that's a question: Is Chavo Guerrero naked? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because all you got was from like the chest up, and he had no shirt, and he looked completely naked. I was like, hmm. What is he, what, what are him and Lee Marshall? What, what's Tony the Tiger getting up to backstage? <laughs> that was like that was like when Chris Jericho first wore the big gold belt with trunks, and it just looked like all he did was walk out with just boots. <laughs> but um, uh, anything to add to this one, fellas? No, it's chubby naked. It's just pretty much it. Uh, we'll get we'll get straight into Saturn versus Canyon. Uh, this was all because Canyon was denied. Uh, joining the flock. Uh, this is going to be a big thing. We knew Canyon as Mortis in the past couple of months, and that's really about it. Uh, Mortis does appear at the start of the match to throw Satin off, which I thought was a nice little touch. And um, this actually wasn't a bad match, uh, considering the, participa- uh, the participants involved. I mean, Simon, I've completely forgot about the entire Mortis run. Mortis was such a cool but forgettable character. I feel like the run was too short to justify them like wanting you to buy into the magic stuff with like, ooh, there's yeah. multiple mortises. Yeah. I don't think he was around long enough for them to justify doing like Undertaker style gimmick stuff. But because Wrath is gone by now. Like Wrath yeah. is just Brian Adams now, isn't it? And like, we are, and Glacier sorry, has Brian gone Clark. back yeah. to, you know the nether realm or wherever he came from like he's <laughs> he's done for we don't see any of them anymore the blood runs cold except for canyon here or as yeah. penza said on the intro this man was known as mortis he is now known as canyon uh, it was really weird <laughs> and i also want to mention we always you know like the joke has always been names from uh, wwe developmental how they always sound fake these two guys have the formula of NXT names. Chris Canyon and Perry Sadden. You take a normal first name and add like a word that isn't really a last name. But it's weird because Perry Sadden is his real name, isn't it? Anyway. Yeah, I, I believe it is. But like <laughs> these guys are trendsetters there. But see, these, this, the, but this is where it flips to the opposite of NXT. They both gained first names. 
You're right, actually. You're this is right. true. This is true. <laughs> they gained that. They, they their first names were taken away from them. They were they were they were given the privilege and honor of getting a first name. You can have per- your name back. Yeah. What I what, what I liked about WCW in this era was they would uh, if they did do a name change, it had always extended. Like Lex Luger went from Lex Luger to the total package. Like. Not even Lex Luger. It was the total package Lex Luger. Then it's like, eh, might be a bit too big. Let's just call him the total package. <laughs> and then Sean Stasiak, when he debuted, went from Sean Stasiak to the mecca of manhood, Sean Stasiak, and then just the mecca of manhood. It's just like, dude, we're not, we're not even getting into that 70s guy, Mike Awesome. But um, and, then, let, and then there's people like like Macho Man Randy Savage, who people couldn't understand whether it was Macho Man Randy Savage or Randy the Macho Man Savage. Yeah, it was just, it's just, just call it March and leave it at that. Uh, let's get, the match though was fairly serviceable and Canyon was, Canyon could go and he's clearly one of the severely underrated wrestlers off the time. But I don't know about you, Simon, but I, like I sort of said to you, like, you're right. The, the Mortis thing was great when it happened, but it's gone. It's finished. Let's forget about Mortis. Like, it, you didn't need all the shenanigans, except maybe the one at the end. Yeah, I don't think the crowd was fully into buying into this. They weren't into it enough. Uh, The match was good in terms of the moves they did. But man, Benoit and Booker T just got the most out of the crowd because they weren't buying any of this. And Saturn was really trying. He did like a Sabu style, you know, double jump moonsault with a chair. And the crowd didn't even make a sound. They didn't react to that at all. Like, yeah, I don't know. They were trading moves. I couldn't really tell who was meant to be the good guy either because Saturn isn't yeah. really in the flock anymore. So it was really yeah. confusing. And then to make it more confusing, the commentary team, I think it was specifically Shivani and Tanay, couldn't decide what the flatliner was. One of them was saying that it was the reverse Russian leg sweep, which it is. The other was saying it's a top rope Samoan drop. And then it just got awkward because then when the finishing sequence happened and we saw a flatliner, Neither guy would commit to calling it the flatliner anymore. I think one of them just said, that's the Russian leg sweep. And yeah, it all, yeah. it was a big mess. Yeah. And another but, um, thing too is like, it also had interference. Sorry, it also had interference from the flock as well, just to really muddy the waters a bit. So yeah, it, it's, it's one of those things. Um, oh, and sorry, you, what were you going to say? No, like it, it, I was just going to say like, you know, it's really interesting how, like I haven't seen a lot of like I've seen bits and pieces of like canyon matches and stuff and and whatnot and you, and um in that dark side of the ring documentary like people you know you know the Bucks and all those guys were going about how he was an incredible professional wrestler. Yep. You start to see it in this match. I feel like when he had like the when he had like the hood on as ma- as more as it was kind of held back a little bit and he had to be like, this big intimidating guy. But now he doesn't have it on anymore. He can really like show what he got and like some like early in the match he did like a twisting neck he did like a, he did a twisting neck breaker and he floated for like a solid two seconds he was just like up there for a bit and just came back down like he really was as good as people was like say he was and i don't think he gets his flowers enough as he probably no, should no. i think that's what i think that's what that documentary tried to do but i don't think people like latched onto it as much as they probably should I, th- I think it's because it's one of those things where canyon it's one of those wrestling stories where he kind of burned out too bright too soon and mm. then everything around him sort of fell to pieces, which is just, it's terrible. And, uh, you know, obviously he, he passed um, tragically um, by his own means. And it was only after that that a lot of people started appreciating him. But, yeah, it, when you see matches like this, you're absolutely right. Like, he's, even his little character work and stuff like that, like, there's a bit towards the end of the match where both him and Perry Saturn are up on the top rope. And purely, it's it's one of the most realistic wrestling things that I've seen where, obviously, when you've got two big dudes fighting on the top rope, they're going to lose their balance. They're going to do that. Saturn just sort of takes an easy exit out to the, out to the outside. Whereas... Canyon looks like he's done some legitimate damage to him as he falls and crashes onto the apron and it looks vicious and it kind of like I thought it was one of the cool spots and some might put it on a botchamania compilation but it was kind of like well of course if you're both fighting each other on top of the on the top ropes they talk about how high risk it is and maybe I'm thinking it about too much but I feel like that's how Chris Canyon would uh, would think about wrestling 
Like he'd always go into other layers. Like what do you boys reckon? Well, yeah, that makes sense because it's not going to be a clean landing falling off the top rope every time into, you know, this perfect uh, looking move or bump or whatever. There were nice touches like that. And I think the crowd started to get into it right at the end, especially when we saw Raven as one of the fake mortises. Because by the end, there were a few of them. Um, And, you know, Raven was telling off Saturn and then the flock jumped Saturn post-match. This was the part that got a reaction. So I don't know how over Canyon was at this point, but I think as this storyline goes on, you know, we get to know him more as a character aside from guy who dressed up as Mortis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. So yeah, with that finish, Canyon got the win with the flat liner, gets his hand raised by Mortis. That Mortis ends up being Raven, who absolutely levels in with an even flow DDT. Very, very cool move. Uh, it was one of those things. I remember when um, when Raven used was using the DVD, when you'd say, like, oh, he's got a DVD, a DDT as he's finished. No, no, this looked absolutely vicious. Uh, yeah, as you mentioned, Raven beats Satin at the end. The flock comes out, and then what I thought was really awesome, Satin completely demolishes the flock, which is very, very mm. cool. And uh, Just a quick question, because, like, obviously, like, the end of that match, there was, like, the, like the two mortises, like, beat each other up. My question is, what's the plural of mortis? Is it mortai? <laughs> I was actually, when you said the two mortises, I'm like, is that grammatically correct? Yeah, is the, is, 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 is the plural mortai? Mortai. Or it's more, yeah, it's mortise, like I-C-E at the end. <laughs> <laughs> or... Or, or you can spell it double E S E like yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, look, let's quickly get through uh, our next match. We got we get some more highlights from WCW Thunder, and then we see a, another WCW Cruiserweight title match between Malenko and Jericho. Uh, like quick start to the match, there is absolute clotheslines of plenty. I've gone and written down here. I felt like this is one of the weaker Jericho v. Um, Malenko matches, which is a shame because it was so hot. And I mean, what do you what did you think of this one? I agree. I agree. Um, I must say, I, I love the crybaby Jericho. Um, oh, it's fantastic promo. conspiracy theory sort of. Yeah. And was he wearing, great. was he wearing a Ray shirt in that promo from Thunder? From Thunder. So. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't know why he was, but I. I. But yes, you're right. He was. Um, Heenan had one of my favorite calls of the night when he was like, Malenko may be the man of a thousand holds, but he has a thousand and one counters. That was. Like mm. perfect Bobby, like Bobby Heenan commentary. <laughs> I loved it. Um, and then, oh, what was this? oh, it, um, yeah, when when um, when Jericho like called out like Malenko's dead father, Malenko threw some absolute <laughs> grenades at him. Oh my god, <laughs> like there was some absolute hot potatoes being thrown in on that one. But the, uh, like the match was serviceable, but as you said, it wasn't great. The finish of the like the post match is what made me pop more than anything. The the match was actually it was very serviceable. It was a very very it wasn't a bad match by any means. But because we know what these two can do together, and oh, maybe it was because Simon did did Malenko's father pass away very recently. I think it was prior to Malenko going away before this, or that's why he went away because that was part right. of the build to this. Um, yep. You know, all about his family and he's a letdown to his father. And yeah, it's pretty recent. You know, it's that classic wrestling thing where they're going to use a recent death as part of a storyline. I got to say, a recent though, drinking problem. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. I thought this feud, like in my mind, it ended at the last pay per view. That's how I remember it with the amazing unmasking in the Battle Royal. Malenko gets his revenge. That's what everyone remembers. And that's the end of it. I didn't realize it keeps going and this match was fine, but I'm glad you guys didn't think it was that great either. Cause I thought it was just me. I'm like, uh, I don't, no. this isn't clicking the way I thought it would. This is almost like, you know, when they talk about Hogan and Andre, you imagine it ended at WrestleMania three and then, you know, like Hogan has retold and then Andre retired and died like two weeks later. They wrestled four more times on pay-per-view within like the next year. Yeah, this is one yeah. of those. It's like uh, you kind of miss the the natural ending. There are some cool little spots too. Like we see the Chris Jericho arrogant cover, which he became very famous for. And also, interestingly enough, Jericho actually 
doesn't use the lion tamer, but uh, what would then become the walls of Jericho. But mm. obviously they call it a Boston Crab, which was a, a cool little ending sequence. Malenko gets the ropes and it was a hell of a reversal from the lion tamer attempt into a Texas cloverleaf. And that's where the crowd sort of picks up and like, oh, yeah. it's just like, oh, we got our cue. Here we go, guys. And you're right on this last segment. That's when it sort of really picks up. But unfortunately, it's kind of not 10 minutes of meh beforehand, but 10 minutes of like, this is perfectly acceptable wrestling. Yeah. But also, yeah, I, the I, worst I... chair shot ever. The oh, DQ. yeah. <laughs> Just... Yeah. Um, Malenko went to the to the the Elizabeth school of chair shots where he hits him with the, with the legs and not the body of the chair. <laughs> there is no impact at all anyway, and no. somehow that's a DQ. It is a dud of a chair shot. It was yeah, a dud Jer- of a chair shot. So Jericho, as Owen mentioned, made the comment about Malenko's dead father and Malenko completely snaps. It's a DQ finish. They then brawl around the arena. He gets dragged outside to the point where Doug Dillinger who is the legitimate head of security, uh, has set to try and calm Malenko down. I just absolutely pop by seeing Chris Jericho use the crossing and, like, you know, stop traffic and then oh, run into a building. So <laughs> That's just so good. I'd like to rewind slightly back to inside the arena um, when they were brawling in, inside the arena and then Jericho walks into the toilets. But then <laughs> oh, it's the ladies' toilet. He walks in the ladies' room. And then Heenan goes, um, he goes, too many letters in that word. And, like, I popped so audibly loud <laughs> when, when Heenan said that because it said women on the wall and I just lost it. <laughs> it was so funny. But, yeah, like, when Jericho just, like, walks out in front of, like, a oncoming traffic, I was like, I mean, surely he's probably gotten that. Like he's gotten that Instagram DM every so often, guy. You should walk in front of traffic. So maybe he took it back twenty five <laughs> years. <actually laughs> but um, yeah, that was. And then like he just walks into a random building. Yep, that's great. I that's it's one of my favorite things because I but love what how. Pop, what popped me even more was Malenko was standing there with hands on hips, just turning around, yelling at Jericho, and like like looking around like this. I'm like, what? Did he he just you saw him walk into another building across the road. It's like a video game. Invisible wall there. It's the end of the world. You can't cross it. He just keeps walking on the spot. (laughs) Yeah. That was the highlight of the match, the backstage brawl. If it was only this short brawl, it would have been better. So we get to our next uh, segment here, and we've got another appearance by the Guerreros at the WCW online booth. And thankfully, it looks like Eddie Guerrero is wearing clothes in this one, which is good to see. <laughs> but it, it's a very strange little thing. Like, I've, do you feel like when they like approach the guys and be like, hey, would you mind doing the WCW spot? It's like, hey, sure, what I need to do? Ah, just make up some, make up some words for the camera. It's only be about two or three seconds. And then... Eddie really, really had to pat in this segment. I thought Eddie was great here. I thought Eddie like made the most of this opportunity because they don't really do promos on WCW pay-per-views a lot uh, in this era, it seems. So Eddie was like, well, I'm going to get my match over in some way. And we're really seeing the the -the over-the-top side of Eddie now where he's begging Chavo not to fight him and he's crying. I thought Eddie was good here. I reckon Eddie was just given one brief. It was <laughs> yeah, just like, you don't want to fight Chavo. Yeah. He's like, yeah, cool. He said his first bit. Then he's like, oh, crap. We've still got the camera on me. Red light's still on. Oh, please, Chavo, don't do this. You don't want like... Uh, he, he made chicken salad out of chicken shit. I'll give him that. It, it was it was like the scene in Blues Brothers when Jay... Um, uh, when Yeah, when when Jake is in the tunnel and Carrie Fish is shooting at him with the, with the machine gun. <laughs> so please... Baby, no, don't do this. It's the exact same thing, and I popped real good for it. But I re- can we just can we just like pre- press fast forward because I need to talk about the next promo scene. Oh, the Hoover to Guerrero, a very oh. odd uh, piece from his uh, his Oasis Active video <laughs> message. Uh, <laughs> um, Although before now, we get uh, to the he- video, though, there was a sign in the crowd that foreshadowed it the vibe of the video because it said, "Hoovy, put the mask back on. You're stealing all the chicks." And it was the perfect sign to cut to before this video. Well, yeah, because- this 
this is a very, very odd vignette of Hubertine Guerrero because oh. there is no words, there is no nothing. Although I did write extensive, extensive good use of the fade transition, though. <laughs> oh, when he went, when he faded from step to step. The step, yeah. Oh. Oh, but tell you what, though, like I, I was when I was watching, so I put this on my Instagram story, and I'm like, Hoovy is a dreamboat. Like, what a man! I tell you what. How do we even but, describe this? Because there's no voiceover. There's just some nice flamenco style Latin sexy music, and it's just <laughs> shots of Hoovy like brushing honestly, the hair out of his face and looking thoughtful. Honestly, it's if wild. you re- if you replaced if you replaced this the the music with like like a Bangles or Belinda Carlisle like <laughs> power ballad, it, it'd be the music video for it. Because it's like shot for shot what those music videos were back in the 80s. <laughs> it was, you know how like the, you know how like the running gag and how much your mother was like, it was like Canada was always like 10 years behind the States. Mm-hmm. So was Mexico apparently. This was, <laughs> this was very 1987. <laughs> Yeah, it very much had heaven on earth uh, sort of vibes to it. <laughs> yeah. We got to give and, and um, Eric Bischoff credit here, though, because everyone criticizes him for unmasking the luchadors. Why wouldn't you unmask this guy? You He's know what the I mean? He's MFA <laughs> in the world. Mm. And 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 the best part too is part of me thinks that Hoovy submitted this himself. It was just like, it's like, Hoovy, we need to do a promo video. It's like, I got this, fam. Don't worry about it. He's like, he's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, my, my mate is really good with a video camera and knows how to do like cool transitions. You know what? We don't have to pay him. So why not? And do you like, think yeah, the I'm- commentators didn't know what this video was going to be? Because I swear they were like, and now let's take an inside look at Juventud yep. Guerrera, a man who never yep. gives up. And it was just... Yeah, that's... Him looking, Shivani, looking was make, Shivani was making you seem like this was going to be... Yeah, like Tony Shivani, the way he sold it was like, this is a Rocky movie hype, hype package. Like, when really it's just Juventud looking pensive at cameras. <laughs> it was very Fabio Circa, I can't believe yes. it's not butter commercials. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll actually get to the match, which is Juventud Guerrera versus Reese. This is a hell of a mismatch here, Reese. I've gone and re- I've written down here. Reese just looks like a pissed off anti-vaxxer at Bunnings that's been told <laughs> to wear a mask because his look is just. What is it? What What is Reese? Like, what was Reese's gimmick? He's a guy who wears a flanny around his waist. He's part of the flock. Yeah. That is literally it. Now, Reese, for those Reese who actually, don't know, people might know him hmm. dressed in his other outfit. Because Reese was the Yeti, the man dressed as a mummy who humped Hulk Hogan at Halloween Havoc <laughs> 94 or 95. So this man, like, look, you might want to criticize his outfit here, but it's better than being wrapped yeah. like a mummy. So, Well, look, I swear to God, Reese is in WCW and WR Revenge. I fully thought Reese was one of the fake wrestlers that they thrown in. <laughs> uh, because With he Arky doesn't... <laughs> Yeah, like that's how much of a non-thing Reese is. But yeah, look, this is a very, very one-sided match. And Reese versus Hoovy, I've written down, this is like when I used to powerbomb my two-year-old cousin uh, when, he, when he was two and I was 14 back in the day. Um, is, is there something we need to tell the police, Nims? <laughs> <laughs> he loved wrestling. We just ignored the, uh, the many warnings. Please, folks, don't try this at home. But yeah, uh, what did we think of that match? I have three notes. Mm-hmm. All I've got. <laughs> this is awful. Who is Van Hammer? <laughs> and, <laughs> no, I know who he is. He almost killed a kid with a stop sign last show. Um, <laughs> this is not good. And then Reese, the only thing that was good about this match was when Reese was standing on Hoobie's hair and Brain goes, you'll ruin his perm. And then he follows it up with his, his hair is so wet, he'll slip up. And that's the only thing I took from this match. Simon, anything to add to this monstrosity? I will say I was shocked at how much the crowd was into this. It probably <laughs> so went weird. it probably so went weird. too long. If they kept this to like three minutes, it would have worked because there's a moment at the start where the crowd wanted to be into it and then they kind of lost it. But Hooventude hits two low blows right in front of Charles Robinson, who's the ref. And Little Nate doesn't even react or do anything. Oh, yeah. He just lets it go. Anyway, and then, yeah, you said Hammer with the assist at the end. The pop for Hammer helping Hoovy <laughs> is surprisingly big too, but that's all I've got. It's not a good match, but eh, the crowd was kind of into it. I think they just love Hoovy. 
I think they did too. And and just seeing that visual of Hoovertude versus uh, standing next to Reese is a very funny one. Um, we'll get to our next match, which is Chavo versus Eddie Guerrero. Now, I don't really have too many um, notes for this one because I was just immersed in this. This is one of the best slow burn WCW stories. And outside of the NWO, they did very little focus on the mid card. But this was just, I thought it was picture perfect. Okay, I'm going to say this because I love these guys and I think the angle has been good and it's so entertaining. I love Ch- Crazy Chavo and I love this mm-hmm. version of Uncle Eddie. Eddie Guerrero is my favorite wrestler. The whole thing, it's fantastic. But I'm going to say I thought this match was a letdown. I Really? I expected more. And hey, I'm not the only one because at one point the crowd started chanting boring. They started yep. chanting and Goldberg. And Goldberg and We Want Flair. For some reason, there are certain tag teams that when they're relatives or whatever, it doesn't work when they wrestle each other. And this got me thinking because these guys wrestle years later at the 2004 Royal Rumble, and that's Mm. not great either. And that had a great buildup too with the breakup of the Guerreros. For whatever reason, it doesn't click against each other. The Hardy Boys, the same thing. Name one good match that's Matt versus Jeff. A lot of tag teams... It's not as good as you think it's going to be in your head. The wrestling is fine in this match, obviously, but yeah, for whatever what... reason, there's just something missing. I don't know. Well, well, that's what I mean. Like I, because the chance, and you can see the chance in the crowd got to Eddie as well. But um, but the thing that I liked about that, he was able to steer into it, like and sort of use that sort of fuel to, you know, benefit him as a heel, because mm. he even did that little, you know, the. That became a taunt in revenge, <laughs> where it's like the kiss my ass. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought this match was like great. I, I'm completely ignoring like the, the crowd factors and stuff here too, because because it is the perfect culmination of the story. And yeah, you're right. It doesn't quite have that. Um, it doesn't sort of live up to that blood feud kind of hype that say Ray versus Eddie did. Like remember that? Like that was a very big sort of thing. But I still think this is the one. That probably made Chavo Guerrero. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Chavo comes yeah, out great yeah. out of this feud for sure. Just as a match, I don't know. It felt like maybe my expectations were too high. What about you, On? What did you think of this one? I kind of sit in, in the middle of you guys. Like, I've, uh, you know, I, I've, I thought the match itself was really good. But yeah, there was points where I was kind of taken out of it because the crowd were. Yep. Um, but. Yeah, like I enjoyed it. I'd probably give like I'd probably give like a seven out of ten. Like I really enjoyed the actual wrestling side of things and like you know progressing the storyline and um you know Eddie doing the whole pleading going no 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 we need to stop we need to stop and he takes out the knee like mm-hmm. you know like that like you know the whole when he's like really starts like incorporate like the lie cheat and steal kind of vibe of of, of Eddie. Um, the one the one spot that like really sticks out to me was that final springs the springboard tornado DDT. Oh yes. So perfect. And like Eddie like sells it so well. Like he just falls flat in his face, goes dunk. And then it was just so and so so sick. Um yeah, no, like yeah, it was it was it was very good. Um, but I I see both sides of the argument. Mm. Uh, one family th- in between. One thing that uh, I think we do need to mention and uh, Bobby the Brain's commentary is very much a product of the time. <laughs> and uh, we'll probably Bobby leave, Heenan yeah. gets so into Guerrero matches with his comments about their family. Surely he must have had some long-standing relationship with the Guerrero family. You would it feels so. like You'd you hope cannot so. be going this full on. Yeah, it feels really over the top when it's them compared to even other luchadors. Yeah, he, he delves into sort of Jerry the King Lawler territory in those ones. But uh, we then, speaking of which, we then hit back to the desk after that match and uh, they hype up the tag match and recap how divided that Macho and Piper tag team is. We get an, a recap of Nitro this time, which is good to see. A lot of recaps in this one. Like, I don't know who's in the production truck, but come on, guys, pace your shows a lot better. <laughs> uh, and then we get to... Uh, do, do we need to add anything to that one, fellas, do you reckon? No. I like the fact that Marcio used the word Mark, and that was it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then we get to Booker T versus Fit Finley. And because this is on um, pay-per-view, it's a TV TV title match is normally at a 10 minute time limit there is not a 10 minute time limit in this match 
And all I can say is Fit Finley takes Booker T's knee to town in this match. It is all Finley. I want to say about Fit Finley here. I know on this show, especially WCW, we've played the age game and we're always shocked at, oh my God, this guy's so much younger than I would have thought. With Finley, the age game isn't fun at all because Finley is 40 years old and he looks as 40 years old as you can possibly look. So good (laughs) on Finley for just doing it right. Can I also say Fit Finley said what is now my favorite wrestling taunt in the entire world when he's walking out to the ring and he goes, I'm going to smash his head right through his body. (laughs) (laughs) I was, I had to to pause it because I was laughing so much. I'm like, it's the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, speaking of his entrance, what about his Iron Maiden style music? I never remembered Finley's entrance theme. Right. There's three par guitar harmonies. It was. (laughs) But wasn't he wearing? Oh no, it was someone else that was wearing a, a Blaze Bailey era Iron Man. Oh no, it was um one of the guys from Dick Togo. It was Dick Togo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like because yeah. because like Fit Finley grabs an imaginary throat and goes, "I'm gonna smash his head through his body," <laughs> and like and just go and just does and like punches his hand down as if he's gonna say he's gonna just literally do that. It was the greatest thing I've seen in wrestling. This is actually an absolute banger of a match. Booker T is the king of going back to back in WCW Papus. It, it's just tremendous. And Finley is Finley is stiff. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh yeah, this was a very good match, and I think it shows how Booker T. I know we're just praising Booker T all the time. He could hang with a variety of opponents, whether it was Rick Martel or Saturn or Chris Benoit or Fit Finley. We've seen him wrestle so many different types of guys, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, the Steiner brothers, whoever Booker T is in there with, he just has like whatever match they would have and it fits perfectly because Booker goes toe-to-toe with Finley. This is a really good brawl. Uh, It's nothing too fancy, but the crowd loves Booker T so much. Eat it up. Eat him up. That's all they're doing, which is great to sort of see. There's even uh, a little spinnerini in there and it's before the spinnerini became a thing. And it's just like a little transition. But what did you think of that that weird sort of like tombstone pole driver awkward um, reversal that that was done by Finley towards the end? You cannot recover from that because the that brought to mind uh, WrestleMania in Orlando with Roman Reigns mm-hmm. and the Undertaker. The oh, same thing yes. happened to them. Once you're flat on the ground, I thought Booker was going to do it, and I thought, oh my god, can someone actually do that? You can't pick someone flat off the ground. Yeah. And you probably shouldn't try. And they learned that here. But they recovered quick and then still went to the tombstone finish because I think that's how they wanted it to end with Booker winning yep. with Finley's finisher. But my God, Booker doesn't give him a normal tombstone. He gives him like a outward it's facing like a spike, tombstone. It's like a spike pile driver too. Yeah, it looked like he yeah could have killed him there. Pretty wild. Now I've got... Now, I've got a little bit confused because I did mention earlier how Stevie Ray came out after the Benoit match. That was This is, this is actually when Stevie Ray comes out uh, to celebrate with Booker T winning the TV title. Uh, it's, it's a perfectly serviceable match. And like we keep saying, Booker should have been a made man after this. But uh, hey, look, we'll, we've still got another couple of years before that happens. Uh, let's you also, I just want to say, these guys wrestling each other in 1998, you couldn't predict for any amount of money that, you know, in like 10 years, Booker T would be a king and a world champion in WWE <laughs> and Finley would be part of his stable in the King's Court. Like, it's just weird how their careers oh, continued. It, it, is, it, is, it is a crazy little thing too. And of course, uh, with Hornswoggle as well. Uh, <laughs> yes. I, I still, I still love the... the I still love that. I, my name is Finley, and I'm here to fight. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> if you said a main event stable in 10 years is going to be Booker T, Fit Finley, and one of the Nitro girls, of course, Charmel, like you would not, <laughs> no one would believe you. <laughs> yeah, it's like, sure, mate. When the men in white coats come, go quietly. <laughs> uh, that's what would have happened. Um, <laughs> let's get to our next match, which is Conan versus uh, Conan with Kurt Hedding 
and Rick Rude versus Goldberg. Now, this... Or, I've, or as I've written in my very half-asleep slumber at 12 o'clock this morning, Goldberg, Goldberg versus Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> well, Conan now, looks I mean, like, felt like Goldberg's, if... like, terrible little brother. Yeah. Uh, now, now, this was meant to be Kurt Hennig, but he was injured. Now, Goldberg, did I hear this correctly? Is he billed from parts unknown? Yes. Is that a new thing? Because I swear they've told us he played for the Atlanta Falcons. You can't Correct. be from yeah. but you can't be from parts unknown and play, and play for NFL a football. football. Team. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um he's also 99 and 0, which did he have about 70 <laughs> matches between here and the last pay-per-view? I was gonna say, wasn't he like 78 and 0 last pay-per-view? Like, come on. Working now. hard. Also, Man, doing those chants doing those towns. Entrance, the chants <laughs> sounded very sus. The mixing mm. of the audio, it was a bit too clean. And you reckon also, they were piped? Huh? You reckon they were piped? 100%, because there's even a part where he's about to get in the ring and I rewound it. They're like, Goldberg, go- Goldberg. Like it cut into itself. The audio track must have ended. And um, hey, look, and, no, no, it was, it was just 11,000 people have a stutter at the same time. <laughs> Everyone just took a deep breath <laughs> at once. And there's even a bit where you see, like, you know, they pan to the crowd, and one guy's literally like hands on the barricade, like, <laughs> like it, it's anyway, that's one of those things that uh, Geo Cities was going off tap back then, uh, questioning whether or not those chants were real. And I'm not joking either. But um, yeah, Goldberg is in, um, he's he's 99% got the entrance and stuff down pat. He doesn't still breathe the fire, but this is very much the Goldberg that we all know and love. Um, and that Saudi princes also apparently <laughs> seem to know and love. Um, Conan, on the other hand, is just, he's Conan. It's a, it's a Conan match. That's, no matter how Goldberg you can make a match, Conan will still find a way to stink up that two minutes. <laughs> Say, Conan looks exhausted about 30 seconds into this and somehow falls on his head when Goldberg oh, like a leg takedown. Literally, my note is Conan spikes himself. Bonk. <laughs> like, oh, man. Also, I gotta say, I, I pop for the fact that when the Wolfpack music hits, Heenan started howling. Yeah. <laughs> this is just. It's such a bizarre off the rails. And then like literally my three notes of the match were about him spiking himself. What a shitty way to bring up your 100th win against Conan. Yeah. And then Conan was, did you see how, when, when like they did the beat down after the match and then when he, when, um, when rude and Hennig were beating Conan down, did you see how much he was spitting every time he got punched in the face. It was like a tsunami had hit. Yeah. He, he Conan, uh, he didn't have his working boots on. We'll put it that way. Uh, he oh, missed cardio. He... <laughs> that, he missed cardio at the gym that day. That day. <laughs> we, we, we need to. So, so yeah, um, he gets the win. I'm going, uh, Goldberg gets, I said, Conan. Goldberg gets the win against Conan. With a spear, jackhammer, it is done. And then after the match, um, post-match, Kurt Hennig and Rick Rude take turns at beating the absolute living hell out of Conan until Kevin Nash and Lex Luger come out to make the save. Kurt Hennig is just like, he's big show levels of turning and joining <laughs> factions. Here he's city. turned at least six times since we've seen him rock up in WCW. And I'm glad this ending happened, though, because in my mind, I was like, one, weren't the Wolfpack a bigger deal? Why would Conan just get killed? And two, I always thought the Wolfpack were like clear-cut faces. I think this mm. is where that happens because yep. Rude and Hennig don't fit the Wolfpack, especially kind of the vibe they were going for once they get out. So, okay, that was kind of good. But what a weird start for the Wolfpack for one of their guys to just lose in one minute. Yeah, yeah, it's strange. It is very, very strange. Uh, we get a commercial for Bash the Beach, nineteen ninety eight. It's, it's a, it's a commercial. It's, it's an odd one. It's Where a, start a guy, of the times, a guy asks a couple, "Have you ever gone skinny dipping with a shark?" With a shark, yeah. 
It feels what like I a weird find, threat anyway. What I found uh, very, very uh, serviceable was when it cuts to the Bash the Beach logo, that shark perfectly decides to swim and then stop under the logo. Uh, <laughs> tremendous, tremendous uh, bit of work there from that shark. But um, we'll get to the next match. Uh, which is Macho Man Randy Savage and Rowdy Roddy Piper versus Hollywood Hulk Hogan and Brett the Hitman Hart. Yeah, Macho Man, of course, reigns supreme in this one with four names compared to everyone else's three. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, unless you count the, uh, the Hitman. No, we give Brett that four. does not count. That does not count. That does not count here. Um, but Michael Buffer, though, he's definitely counting the the because he's paid by the word. Oh, my God. He, he's absolutely given up, hasn't he? He's they just totally remarkable. It is remarkable. <laughs> Legends United versus Legends United. And then, oh, my God. My favorite thing was when, when we were talking about Macho Man. Anything goes, dot, dot, dot. Anything, including pain. <laughs> oh, no. <that's> terrible. <laughs> Um, did anyone else notice that sign in the crowd that had like Macho and, and Piper versus Hogan and Hart Welcome equals Jurassic, Jurassic Park? Park? Yeah, oh, that's yeah. good. <laughs> Although, oh, again, man. I know we've let's play the age game again because I saw that sign and thought about it. Are they that old compared to modern standards? The average age in this match was only like 42 or 43, you know? Mm-hmm. A lot of main eventers these days are that age. But anyway, I, I want to say this. Bret Hart is only three years younger than the rest of these guys. Bret Hart he looks, looks so old. Oh no, I was going to say compared to them though, he looks young. Like a lot, he looks he like he's from a different era to them. It's weird. See, I was see what I've written down. I've written like I, I wrote down the second he left WWF, he started looking old. Oh, I don't I, know why. Definitely in terms of his wrestling, he might as well be their age. Like Bret Hart does mm-hmm. nothing to justify his like legacy in this match. I don't think yep. just, he just didn't care anymore. Yeah. No, no, he was very much checked out too. And the, the only thing like he's heel Bret Hart too, because remember Bret doesn't like being a heel and he probably doesn't like playing second fiddle to Hollywood Hulk Hogan. And he's very much in a match that has five people. That's including the disciple. He's very much the man that is the least interested in anything that's going on inside well, this ring. Can you blame him? He went from being the main guy in WWE for what? The past like four years. In a way, he's been a main eventer in the WWE. He finally got rid of those old guys specifically who were kind of holding him back. And now yep. he's just the fourth like the fourth, fourth guy in this match. He, he's like, he's absolutely just a, a bit part player here. And look, all I can say is uh, Hogan and Savage, it, it's everyone doing their role. That's all this match is. Hogan does his little spots with Savage. Piper does his bits with with, um, with Savage, like because they're going to have a match directly afterwards. It's just a, what are the checkpoints and dot points that we need to do during this match? Tick, 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 tick. That's basically it. Mm-hmm. Although I will say, we talked about crappy chair shots beforehand. The chair shot by uh, Macho Man Randy Savage on Bret Hart, the intercept one where he sort of sticks it in between Piper and um, Bret's head. Genius. Fantastic. Yeah, Mm. it's brilliant. I thought it was really, really good. But yeah, it is a very chaotic match. Uh, Savage goes to the top rope because Randy Savage's knee is still cactus. And that's a shoot too, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think he uh, would be around long after the Wolfpack sort of, you know, has a bit of a run. Yeah, um, it, it is. He he goes up for the uh, for the flying elbow, knee buckles, he's down, and then he submits to the sharpshooter. That's pretty much all she wrote. The NWO yeah. Hollywood gets the win. Um, that's about it, really. And Owen, I uh, again, me just adding useless trying to be funny notes to this to this match because like the match was fine and serviceable obviously for like the, yeah. the for the multitude it was um hogan gets a more offensively darker every single match <laughs> oh my god and leatherier if that oh makes, my god he's like he's like a ysl handbag um <laughs> <laughs> and then how much of a pay rise you reckon hogan got for working the heat 
god. <laughs> like he's like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. This much, brother. I gotta get an extra extra five figures on that one, brother. Because he was working the heat like an absolute megastar. Oh my, you're not wrong there. I think that um, was him just to- trying to upstage Brett. Oh Get yeah, Brett out of the match for longer. Yeah, but we, and, and because we all know how, like, we all know that Bret Hart was like the king of working in the heat mm. too. Yeah, this is this is very much uh, not a good sort of match here. It then leads to Piper versus Macho Man, which oh, was a scheduled just... match here. This part I thought was actually cool because me and Gene was kind of asking Piper, it's like, is this is this what you want, mate? Because I don't think it's what you want." And he goes to help up um, Macho Man. Until Macho does his madness sort of thing. And I love that anything that Macho Man does is covered with the blanket of like madness. Woof. <laughs> it's madness <laughs> for you. Yeah. Like, so we have a very little impromptu match, but would you even call this a match? It's more of an extension of a post-match angle, wouldn't you say? No, the, and, and this segment was highlighted by the fact that Charles Robinson was paralyzed himself. He took the most disgusting neck bump I've ever seen someone take from just a slap. Mm. Yeah. Threw himself back and landed so high up on his neck. It was, oh man, rough. It was a pretty rough match. We did see uh, the, the the flying elbow off the top rope, but uh, yeah. Not really Simon, flying. Do you have anything more of a, to say? More of a falling, falling with style. Yeah, falling yeah. with style. Very yeah. CM Punk-esque, the elbow drop here. <laughs> The big, uh, the big, uh, it was basically Randy Savage's tag team partner in this match was Gravity because that <laughs> yeah. did a lot of the work. Uh, I've got to say, <laughs> what are the chances of Randy Savage tapping out two matches in a row? He's not a guy who would lose very often. To lose no. two matches in a row, yeah, I almost thought, is Savage done here? But surely he hangs around in the Wolfpack a bit longer than this. He, because they're, they're a very, because when you think of, um, I don't, I don't, I don't think that he he's around for too long because anytime I picture the Wolfpack, like when they would do their four man sort of promos, it's always the four of Lex Luger, Sting, Conan, and um, Nash, and Kevin yeah, Nash. Kevin Nash. Oh, yeah. okay. So maybe Savage isn't around longer, and he goes he's and gets the surgery. Definitely, yeah, he's definitely around a lot more. Uh, for a couple more things, but I don't think he makes it to the next pay for you because okay. when you think of the Wolfpack, you only think of those. Well, at least me personally, I always, always think of those four. Mm. Um, we'll quickly move to our final match, which is the giant versus sting. The giant comes out smoking, which uh, is interesting. Um, yeah, Michael Buffer. <laughs> Michael Buffer. Just sucking is... away on a banger. What a key. <laughs> Michael Buffer keeps saying, the original New World Order, <laughs> like it's uh, like, like he's talking about the menu at um, at uh, KFC. And I don't know about you, but I forgot about how sunburnt Wolfpack Sting looks like with the red face paint. <laughs> yeah, we're well, talking about KFC. Yeah, he, he's hot and spicy Sting here. He's got the red on. I do want to say that my favorite part of this, like this is for control of the tag team titles and it's the main event. And they mentioned that, the giant has said if he wins the tag titles, he'll choose the disciple as his partner. What a wasted pick. <laughs> pick your tag team partner. Like I couldn't make giant look more of a dumbass. Why would he do that? There was a great line at the start of the match with Bobby the Brain Heenan where um, he um, Big Show blows smoke into uh, Sting's face and then Sting loses it. I love, I love how Bobby the Brain says, oh, Secondhand smoke will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, I do want to say but, um, we've criticized like Sting and how he looked really out of it when he returned to in-ring action at Starcade. I thought we're starting to see Sting get a bit more lively as the months go on. He's incorporating some of the older, more energetic surface Sting style into the matches. This wasn't mm-hmm. bad. It wasn't great. And it was very short for a main event. Like you're not getting your money's worth here. But it was no, kind no. of fun. If this was a TV main event, you would be like, oh, it was kind of fun. Yeah, you leave home happy. But yeah, it's a great show of power by the giant. Um, he powers out of a scorpion death drop. He, he like extends his legs and powers out of the scorpion death, uh, death lock. Uh, it actually took three scorpion death drops to put him away. And the final one's almost like a little super one that Sting does off the top rope. Uh, Bitch, John. Mike Tanay excitedly exclaims the stinger death drop. 
and then he corrects himself. Mike tonight. He was like, the Stinger Death Drop, the Scorpion Death Drop. He said it twice, but he said Stinger Death Drop first, and I was like, ah, you silly boy. Now, I don't know about you. As you mentioned, Simon, it is a very sort of short little main event, but it's also a really odd wrap-up to the paper because it almost feels like they finish under because you see the big show walk back to the uh, back to the um, to the dressing room area and stuff like that, out back up the ramp. But it just feels like a clunky paper for you. Like all in all, like Sting gets the win. He's the WCW Tag Team Champion, which is a weird uh, sort of sentence in itself. But all in all, what do we all think of this show, boys? Because it, it's clunky at best. Uh, it's not awful. It's definitely not like oh, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. Believe me, that will come. Um, but it's 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 not something that you'd run at and tell. There's no real match that stands out on here, is there? Thank God for Booker T. That's all I can say. His two <laughs> yeah. matches, without his two matches, there aren't two good matches on this show. That's pretty much yeah. it. Nah. Yeah, it's a very, very clunky sort of pay-per-view. But uh, let's quickly run through and go through. Look, I think we, we can basically sort of sum that up too, isn't it? It's just like, that's our MVP. For the pay for you, we normally go through and there's a big old debate. But if you're not saying Booker T, I'm sorry, you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, it is only Booker T. There is no other. There isn't even a contrarian like smart ass pick. It, it's it's just Booker T. That's it. I, f- I feel like this might that might be the third or fourth time this year that we voted Booker T as our MVP because now there's yeah. there's not much Scott Hall or Kevin Nash. We don't really have them to lean on. Yeah, and Malenko's in a different role now. Like he's in a a feud with Jericho. Yeah, yeah. Booker T's the man uh, in '98. I, f- I think this might be the third time we've given it to Booker, which is totally <laughs> fair. I mean, I mean, when when like when like a, th- when, like, a, a, a fifth of the card were people who were double booked. Um, it was always going to be one of them. <laughs> and thankfully, it wasn't Macho Man. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah, look, um, unfortunately for WCW, this is just the tip of the iceberg of their decline. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a shame too, because you're right. Take Booker T out of this show and wow. But uh, hey, look, um, it's this is what we've committed to. We've got another, we've got a, we, it sure seemed like a great idea at the time to watch all the old WCW pay-per-views, but uh, only hey, look, two and a half years to go. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, hey, look, oh, and it's uh, as always, thank you for sitting through another WCW pay-per-view. We'll see you again for Bash at the Beach. That'll be that'll actually be a bit of fun because they always bring it at Bash at the Beach. Oh, next, we, uh, looking- Bash at the Beach is a big one though. Let's let's at least get excited for that. This is Hogan mm-hmm. and Rodman versus DDP. The mailman. Yeah. The yep. mailman. So at least yep. we got that. So this is pretty good. Uh, Simon, you and I on next on the agenda. We have got fully loaded in your house, headlined by The Undertaker and Stone Cold Steve Austin against Kane and Mankind. So this should be a pretty interesting one to see. But uh, yes, in case you missed out on any previous episodes of Reliving the War, jump to greywolfentertainment.net. Check us out on the socials, greywolfent, and we will catch you next time for another edition of Reliving the War. This has been another presentation from the Grey Wolf Entertainment Network, greywolfentertainment.net.